Welcome to the JPR Group Podcast, brought to you by the JPR Group of Baird Private Wealth Management. We're dedicated to bringing our clients, colleagues, and centers of influence the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and information to keep you informed and confident. Also, listen in on conversations with industry leaders and interesting people from around the country that are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the JPR Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the January 2021 Advisor Roundtable with the JPR Group of Baird Private Wealth. I'm Drew Ritchie, and we're excited today because with us is our partner, Josh Marson, and also Mr. Peter Lim from the Hilliard Lions Trust Company. Peter is a portfolio manager with HLTC and has been a trusted partner of ours for a number of years. So we're going to mix it up a little bit with getting our roundtable series started for 2021. As you know, we normally have updates, um, things that are going on with our team, special events that we're planning, strategies and planning. But this, this month, we felt like the capital markets, what's going on in the economy, what's happening with, with COVID, um, and just the markets in general was the place that we wanted to focus our attention. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and dive right into the meat of our presentation. And I'm going to turn it over to Josh Marson with our team. Josh? Yeah, thanks, Drew. Um, once again, Peter, thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your day to, to meet with us. Um, as we have put a bookmark on 2020, and, and most people are very excited about that, we can we can talk a little bit about what we've seen in 2020 and then a few items into what we may be able to expect in 2021. But first, throughout 2020, the value to growth trade, it was overweighted, definitely. What are your, your thoughts around the performance of growth and value in 2020? And then to second that, what are some scenarios that we could expect between those trades uh, in 2021. Is that a continuation? Is there a change in leadership? Um, and so on. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. It's a, a pleasure to be here today. You know, when we look at growth versus value, that really has been a question that has been lingering over the markets for the past decade. Um, coming out of the great financial crisis in 2008, we've seen growth stocks really outperform value stocks. And that certainly was the case uh, throughout most of 2020. Really from January in, until election day, we saw growth uh, significantly outperform value. Um, from the election through the end of the year, we saw a, a reversal in that and the value stocks really outperform the growth stocks. So, you know, as we move into next year, um, what I would caution you against is saying, you know, it's going to be one or the other, because if we were to just rewind the clock back to 2019, we saw an almost nearly identical pattern. The last three months of the year were heavily skewed towards um, value outperforming, but it also underperformed for the beginning uh, of the year. And so this trend with growth stocks continuing to do well, um, you know, I, I think is likely to, to stay in place. What we typically see are that value stocks tend to outperform in very strong economies and very weak economies. We've been in this muddle through economic growth for really the last decade where GDP in the US has been growing about 2%. And that has helped a lot of the growth sort of the name. So 
coming out of COVID, certainly next year, you know, could be the year where economic growth uh, sees a resurgence as more and more people get vaccinated. And so there could be, um, you know, intermediate blips of, of one outperforming the other. But what I would stress here is that there are expensive names in the growth area, there are expensive names in the value area. And so what I would really stay focused on is ensuring that you know what you own in the portfolio and steer clear away from some of those more speculative growth or value names um, and really kind of stick with uh, kind of core names in both categories. Thanks for that, Peter. I, I know that's on the mind of a lot of investors. It was evident towards the end of the year, you could see the discrepancy between the two's performance. So thanks for the clarity around that. Um, if we switch gears over to small and mid cap companies, Throughout the year, it was really the, the large names that were moving. And then towards the end of the year, we started to see a spike in performance or return of small and mid caps. What are some scenarios in 2021 that, that are out there that could continue to move them up or that could dampen them back to um, mid 2020 levels? Sure. So, you know, it, it's very similar to the growth versus value, um, you know, story that we've seen. Technology has been leading the way for the last decade. Um, in 2020, we saw the exact same thing. Technology, believe it or not, outperformed on the way down and it outperformed on the way back up. So um, when we look at large versus small, it really comes down to that composition. The large cap names, they tend to be more technology focused while the small cap names tend to be a little more cyclical. So you'll see uh, more healthcare names, more energy names, uh, more industrial names. And so as we got through election day, um, we did see a reversal and those small cap names outperformed very similar to the value sort of names. What I would say going forward is that um, having a nice mix of both in the portfolio. If we get to a point where the, um, most of the United States population gets vac vaccinated, there will be plenty of pent up demand that could certainly boost these cyclical stocks. If we stay in this kind of um, slow rollout of the vaccine, then certainly technology um, it, it is the obvious place that, that potentially could outperform. You know, when it comes down to a portfolio, what you wanna make sure is that you have a nice uh, blend or diversification within the portfolio. There will never be a time where you want to be an all small cap or all large cap. It, it is really more about how can you add pieces of the small cap universe uh, in with a large cap portfolio to provide some diversification. What I, the one last point that I would like to point out on, on small versus large is that the small cap space today can be a little bit dangerous because today about 50% of all small cap stocks out there, they don't earn a profit. Um, and while there, are, there is a higher than normal, um, you know, number of large cap stocks that aren't earning profit, it, it far outweighs the number of small cap stocks that, that are not earning a profit. So because we're in a, um, you know, tricky economy where there are haves and have nots, companies that are going to do exceptionally well, companies that are going to struggle and may potentially go out of business, I think that small cap um, space you really have to put some extra due diligence in it and make sure that you know what you're owning there as well. Great. I'm going to switch us over to the other side of the portfolio, the fixed income side. Um, if you don't mind, discuss the importance of the asset class in general. And currently with the low yield environment we're in, 
just talk about how it can be difficult at times to own fixed income when you see the high flyers on the equity side. Um, but once again, with the, the low yield environment, discuss how important it, it truly is to have that side of your portfolio for when volatility does uh, rear its head. Sure. You know, there's probably no better um, example of, of why you want to own fixed income than March of, of last year. You know, when we saw markets dip 34% in less than a month, um, certainly having some fixed income in the portfolio made a significant difference. You know, fixed income with the 10-year treasury rate below 1% today, you're not going to get a lot of yield. You know, investors aren't going to be able to take their whole portfolio, put it in fixed income, you know, exceed the rate of inflation and take distributions from that, you're going to have to have some growth, some return from the equity side. However, having it in the portfolio is crucial um, to dampen that volatility. And it is really all about diversification. You want to diversify the portfolio, not only with large cap, small cap, um, but having some of the fixed income in there as well. Um, Fixed income did its job last year. Uh, when the markets went down, it held its own. It provided some, some uh, liquidity for investors that needed to take emergency or necessary distributions. And so that's really how we think about owning fixed income uh, in a portfolio. Certainly this is not the time that you wanna reach for yield. Rates are at an all time low. We've seen, we have a shaky economy. We've seen equities really kind of move higher. And so the last thing that we want to encourage investors to do is really reach out on the risk curve uh, and get some higher yielding fixed income. The, what we see today in the fixed income markets is that interest rates are low and certainly the obvious you know, trend would be for them to move higher. But if you think about things here in the United States, the Federal Reserve um, has commented that they're not even thinking about thinking about raising interest rates. And so what that potentially means is that we're likely to stay in a very low interest rate environment. We've seen uh, global central banks be very accommodative um, in, in their quantitative easing and supporting economies as we struggle through the, the COVID pandemic. Um, the other thing that potentially could keep interest rates very low is that when we look outside of the United States, there is nearly $18 trillion of negative yielding sovereign debt. So $18 trillion of foreign government debt um, outstanding. It's something that we really don't understand. Uh, we can't get our minds around who would ever want to give somebody a dollar and get 90 cents back in return. Um, so when you think about quantitative easing and the Federal Reserve supporting the economy, negative interest rates around the world, it's really hard to imagine we're going to be in an environment where interest rates really move higher. That's great, Peter. I'm going to shift gears on you one more time. We're going to go on the other side of the globe. Um, speak a little bit about the performance of international equities. It, it snuck up towards the end of the year. Um, but talk on developed and emerging markets and discuss the, the importance of holding it and the opportunity for growth that, that those asset classes do provide. Sure. So when you look at um, the United States today, it represents about 60% of the world's market capitalizations, or let's just say 60% of the world's companies. The other 40% come from developed international and the emerging markets. Well, the developed international have really been lagging behind the United States for the past decade. And when you look at it, it really comes down to technology. You know, technology has been the strongest sector here in the United States and have really boosted returns for, for many investors 
um, that have owned large cap US stocks. If we think about Europe, there aren't a lot of technology companies in Europe. Mainly when we look for technology, it's in the United States, it's in India, it's in China. And with India and China both being emerging markets, those markets have held up slightly better. So what I would say in terms of international is that we're under a new uh, president now. And so under the President Trump, uh, the mantra was make America great again. And as part of that, um, he supported the US dollar. Um, the dollar strengthened for much of President Trump's um, tenure in, in office. And now with the new president uh, being there, there's the potential that we may not see a very strong dollar moving forward. And so with a weaker dollar, that tends to support international returns. You know, whenever you invest in a foreign uh, company, translate that currency back into U.S. dollars, that's certainly going to help your returns. As far as future growth, what I would say is in emerging markets, certainly, you know, would be a place where you can see obvious growth. They represent something like 80% of the world's population. Um, many of those are in the lower class. And as China really continues to develop their economy, um, more and more of those people in the lower class will move up into the middle class and, and their consumption is really going to drive GDP growth. So um, certainly there's a lot of opportunity within the emerging markets. I think that uh, you know, moving forward, that is an area for growth, but it's likely you're going to have to be patient. You know, we're still coming out of a pandemic. Just about every country in, in the world experienced some form of recession last year, and that's going to take time to get through. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that you really need to be too eager and be the first one to the party and, and try and jump in um, something right away. These trends tend to be longer developing and they last 10, 15 years. We go back 20 years ago, international really outperformed the United States from 2000 to 2010. The exact opposite has happened since 2010. And so, um, you know, what I would say is keep diversifying, keep making slow, gradual movements into various asset classes and not do an all or none uh, type radical change. Well, thanks again, Peter, for, for taking some time with us this morning. Uh, back to you, Drew. Yes, Peter, thank you again for um, for that. I, I would like to just, you know, make the comment that when you're talking about that international uh, in U.S. trade leadership, as do growth and value over really long market cycles, 10 to 15 years, a lot of our investors can get frustrated from that perspective because they may have retired and be investing for the first time or not have a lot of experience investing outside of their 401k plans or for our younger clients they haven't been investing for a full market cycle like a 12 to 15 year period so it is um, you know a little frustrating year after year to see one asset class leading and not really understand why I need this diversification when for instance the S&P 500 is you know, really led the markets for a decade or so. But so thanks for that perspective. We know that's really important. Um, I just want to wrap up by giving an update on our capital market education curriculum. We've been providing a capital market outlook update a, via live format every quarter since 2007. And through this pandemic, it's been more challenging to do that. We've converted to a virtual format April of 2000. And 20 was the only one that we missed um, completely. Um, and I, I think we may have actually done a virtual limited format then too. However, for 2021, 
we are going to cancel the quarterly events and be providing the capital market information at these monthly roundtables. So one of my favorite things to do on our podcast and on our videos is put somebody on the spot. So Peter, can we, can we get you on, on record now saying that you'll come back and do another one or two months uh, at some point during 2021 for us? Absolutely. Yeah, it was a pleasure being here and, and I love working with you guys and, and your clients. We appreciate that. We are going to bring on some third parties. Some of the discussions will be just within our advisor team, but we do want to bring on some of the uh, trusted partners that we work with. And Peter Lim at Hilliard Lines Trust Company is certainly one of the main ones. So be looking forward uh, to those updates that will come from our service team uh, via our uh, the JPR Advocate monthly publication. So check uh, check your email out for those and uh, also on our podcast. So anyway, I'm Drew Ritchie with the JPR group of Baird Private Wealth. And this is our advisor roundtable for January 2021. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcast. You may visit our website at thejprgroup.com for more information about our team or like us on Facebook. If you'd like to speak to a financial advisor on our team, please contact our office at 270-467-9664. We hope to hear from you soon. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable sources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc., a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC.